excited to worship with you. If you would just stand to your feet as we praise the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who I believe is still moving mountains and he wants to move them in your life too, amen. Let's praise the one who deserves all the glory. A praise in the valley, praise on the mountain.
circumstances, God. We give you all the honor, all of the praise, even when we don't feel like it. Because you are worthy, because you are good. We thank you that you are still slaying giants today, that you're still defeating the enemy, that you still have conquered the grave. Hallelujah. Just come, Lord. Come and rest here, Father. Come like a rushing wind. Come like a burning flame, Father. Come abide here, Jesus. It's you shut the lion's mouth.
Lord, we trust in you. I'm just, I'm seeing a man on a mountain all the way up and he's harnessed in. And he's just letting go and trusting in what's connecting him to the mountain. Trusting in his harness, trusting in the ropes. And I just hear him saying that there's someone here who isn't trusting in me. The one who is the maker of heaven and earth and they're still trying to hold on so tightly. When they can just take a break and rest in me. So if you've been climbing a mountain, if there's something that just seems like you're not gonna be able to get over it, rest in him because he's got you. You have the best equipment. You've got the word of God. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. Just rest in him knowing he's got you. Let's trust in God our Savior, the one who never fails. He never will, he never has. He will see you to the end. He's gonna see us to the, the mountains. He's gonna see us through the valleys. He's gonna see us through the deserts. He's gonna let us walk on water and when we need the waters parted, he's gonna part it for us. That's where our trust is. Let's keep our eyes locked on Jesus. Let's not look away for a moment. Let's not let the enemy in. Let's believe in God more than the enemy believes in God, amen, because he's still seeing victories. He is still moving mountains. And our God is never gonna fail.
morning. Live streamers, good morning wherever you're watching from on uh, Facebook or YouTube. It's good to have you with us. Say hi if you're on there. Well, it's good to have you in the house of the Lord. Uh, 
We're going to continue our worship and our giving of our tithe and our offerings. So if you have uh, something to give, you can prepare that. The offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. Or if not, uh, Mike will help you out. He also has prayer cards, by the way. And uh, we are a church that prays. We believe in the power of prayer because we believe in a powerful God. Amen. So if you have a prayer need, wave your hand around and Mike will give you one of those. Turn it in. You give it to me or give it to one of the ushers and they, they will make sure I get it. And we pray for them uh, during Monday night prayer that happens here at church, but also uh, in our personal time, uh, we pray for those things. So we want to join in, in faith with you for your prayer requests. Anyways, uh, so if you're giving today, we appreciate you. We appreciate your dedication to the church. We appreciate your giving. And we believe that everything that comes into the house, uh, that it's honored, it is uh, received and, and used with good stewardship. And we believe God does above and beyond uh, even what our own wisdom uh, could do with it because he gets involved. Amen. So as you give today, uh, I thank you. But it's, uh, that step of faith, God, how I many know God is our provider in all things? Amen. And, and giving is a response to his increase of provision in our lives. So let me pray over it. And if you have something, you can bring it down this morning. Lord, we thank you for being with us today. And uh, Lord, it's our hearts just to worship you. Because you are God. And, and there is no other. And Lord, as we continue our worship with our giving, Lord, uh, it's, it's very symbolic of, of an outward giving expressive of our heart, Lord, but the giving of finances, Lord, it's, it's saying all, all of who we are belongs to you. Everything. Everything within in us and everything that we have belongs to you. And we give today, Lord, because um, you're, just, you're just so good. Thank, thank you for the so many times you made ways where there seemed to be no way. Lord, uh, your provision is always in front of us. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. All right, so if you have something, you, you can bring it today. Um, some, some announcements for you before we pull our Bibles out. Tom has some papers, and I actually, I didn't look all the way through this, but uh, just some information about uh, what's coming up uh, as part of our um, voting here pretty soon. It's, it's issue one, and it has to do with some things concerning abortion. So if you want information about that, Tom, wave your hand around. He's got those papers back there. Uh, you can grab it, read it, and check it out. Okay, and beyond that, uh, October the 15th, uh, Sunday night, it's two weeks from today, 6 o'clock, we have uh, an extra youth service for our 5th to 12th graders right here. So uh, the second and fourth Wednesday during church, uh, we have youth hangout. But then on Sunday nights now, and then we call it youth hangout squared. It's another youth hangout for us. And that night, uh, just so they have the whole room, they have their own worship, a message, and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a good time, and there'll be some food and whatnot. So 5th through 12th grade, October 15th, 6 o'clock, right here. Uh, come on out and have them bring some friends and, and make sure uh, they put that, or parents, you put it on your calendar so they get here, all right? Uh, then also, ladies, how many ladies in the house? Let me see. Oh, yeah, ladies in the house. Um, October the 28th, Saturday night, right? 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock. At the Brown residence, am I correct? We have our ladies' annual bonfire. Okay, so they get together, uh, have a bonfire, or and they eat food. 
and it's always what you bring. So I'm assuming it's good food. And anyways, if you want more information about that, you can see Margo, even ask Sarah how to get to her house. October 28th, six o'clock, ladies are gonna hang out at a uh, bonfire. Um, also, let's see. Oh, uh, here, here's something. Uh, now, how many of y'all love summer? It's over, all right? Hate to say it. Today's October 1st. If you're a summer holdout, it's over. So anyways, so yeah, I know it's supposed to be 80 this week, which is dumb, but anyways. Well, I only say that because um, uh, as we always do, we have our, our Christmas, I know Christmas, Christmas Eve candlelight service every year. Uh, if your child is going to be at the candlelight, I know there's lots of family stuff that happens, but they're gonna be here uh, the kids are going to be involved in the candlelight service again this year. So if that's the case, there's a sign-up sheet back there. Uh, just write your, your family name on there, and uh, that way we'll know who needs to start practice in, in a little bit here of what they're going to be doing at the candlelight service. So there's a sign-up sheet at the back for that. And uh, with that, uh, Kids Church, we um, I, sometimes I just need to throw some needs out to you. We need a fourth Sunday of the month Kids Church teacher for the uh, first through uh, fourth grade. Okay, so if you're interested in that, if you heard that and the Holy Spirit just grabbed your heart, come see me and we'll talk about it. But one, one last uh, little hole we got to fill. But if you're interested in that, please see me. And how many know we love our kids? And our kids downstairs, it's not a babysitting service. They're downstairs learning the word because we're partnering with you parents. You're primary. Parents, you are primary. Church is secondary but we're to partner with you in helping raise your kids into things of Jesus, amen? That's what we do with our kids every Sunday morning and Wednesday night, so, but we do need some help and, and Kids Church, in order to have Kids Church, you gotta staff it, right? We need volunteers, so that's one volunteer space we need. So if you're interested in that, let me know. All right, that's all I have. So if you have your Bibles, get them out. Thank you, Chamberlain. But it's good to have you with us this morning. If you're new with us today or you've been with us and you've never filled out a, a uh, Get Connected card, please do that. Uh, fill it out, and, and you can give it to Margot after church today. Wave your hand around. Uh, Kelly, who usually handles it, she's actually teaching kids' church today. It's just our way of connecting with you and, and getting to know you a little bit more. So that's what that's about. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to go in just a moment. We're uh, finishing out a series today entitled Shelter from the Storm. I believe, I do believe that your family, your household, can be a shelter from what we think and see as the storm around us, what's going on in society. Not just that there's sin out there, uh, but certainly the working of the enemy. The Bible says the spirit of Antichrist is at work. And, and there's a lot of things happening that we hope does not infiltrate into our families and our home. Amen. And I know, especially if you're raising kids in this time, you have concerns, and you should have concerns. But at the same time, and I keep saying this, let me remind you, have concerns, but do not fear. You can have concerns, yes, because it's out there, but don't fear. Because I believe that the Lord is with you, Amen. And I believe that he will impart wisdom in how to approach these things. Amen. And, and, and we just fall back on the fact that we know that the Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we believe that. We stand in that. 
Amen. So I believe your family is a shelter from the storm. It's going to continue to be a shelter from the storm. Uh, maybe some of you have, have some older kids that have walked away from the Lord. I believe they're going to come back home to him and be in relationship with him. Amen. So uh, we've been talking about things to help ensure that your family, your home, is a shelter from the storm. That, that the first thing you do is you, you got to be a person of prayer. Pray. We fight with our prayer. Paul writes, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Amen. But against principalities, powers, and things out there. So uh, we must be people of prayer. Um, we got to be people who learn how to discern. Right? Train, uh, Hebrews writes, you train yourself to discern. What, what is of God, what is not? What, what is good and what is not? What is of, of the spirit and what is of, of the enemy? So you learn to discern. Then, then you make decisions for your home based on discernment. I believe the Holy Spirit will help you. The word, obviously, is so important to that. So we learn how to discern. And then last week, um, we pulled the rope back out if you missed it. Uh, but one of the things you must do in the midst of all this, you have to persevere. Don't let go from the anchor that is Jesus. Even if it seems to get crazy, don't let go. Because one of the greatest examples that you can leave your family is that you persevered through it all. Isn't that true? One of the greatest examples you can give your kids is when things get crazy, you don't let go. But you hang on through it all. Amen? So I want to finish it out today. Uh, and I kind of want to come back. I, want to, I call this sort of a grassroots kind of uh, approach to this. But Matthew chapter 7 and, and verse number 24, Jesus is talking here. So let's, let's read this together. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. How many want to be wise? Okay, wisdom is found here. A wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. We don't want to be foolish. He built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes or the, or the teacher of the law. Wisdom is found in understanding that Jesus has said some stuff and learning how to then live them in your life. So my wife and I, uh, several years ago, I, I told you this before, but it serves a point, uh, we originally bought a house that we knew was a fixer-upper, a flip house to, to turn around, make some money, and then do more of what we wanted to do. Uh, but in the midst of doing that, an opportunity came up, and we bought a three-acre cornfield out in the country. The thing about this three-acre cornfield, there is no wind block anywhere near this field. It's just wide open. As a matter of fact, years and years before, a tornado had come through there and knocked down a structure that was adjoined to the property that we bought. 
So, so we bought this place, uh, and then a little bit later, after we sold the house we were in, we built a house. Now, we believe, and good news is the house is still standing, that our builder knew what he was doing. We had trust. The foundation they put in, we actually put a, a poured basement in, so there's a basement, a, a two-story structure up. We believe and hope that the builder knew what they were doing and the foundation is strong and so then is the house. Now, being out where we're at, still no wind. I planted a whole bunch of trees, but they're still not like giant. We've been there 14 years, but they're still not like super giant trees. So we still really don't have a lot of wind block. There are times out where we're at, and you know, Ohio gets windy. It's flat. I grew up in Pennsylvania, rolling hills. I didn't know wind until I moved to Ohio. It gets windy out here. There are times that literally our house, you can feel it bumping in a really bad storm. You can feel it bumping. And in those times, I still trust my builder. That, that even though we got 30, 40, 50 mile an hour winds, I may lose some shingles, that happens. Agitating. But the house is gonna stay standing because the foundation is secure and what was built up from it was built on a sure foundation. So it is with your life. Whether or not you realize it, you're building your life, you're building a house. You're doing it. Whether or not you realize it, you may not think about it that way, but you're building a house. And I, I think you would want to say that this house, not only you personally, but your family, again, your, your family unit, is going to stay strong in the midst of the storms of life. Because guess what? They're gonna come. It could be simply because you live in a, in, a, in a lost world that there's a lot of sin out there and the enemies at work. Yes, storm is there, but there's sometimes a specific storm comes and starts hitting at your house. You are not gonna be excluded from the things of life just because you're a Christian. And I, I need to get that through to your mind because some people think, because I'm saved, then nothing bad will ever come my way. That's not true. But the difference is because you're saved, hopefully you're building your house on a sure foundation. So when the storms of life are coming and they're happening, that though the house may bump in the wind, you may lose some shingles, the house is going to stay standing. But, but here's, here's how it happens, though. Here's the key to it. And, and Christian's back there at the computer. Throw the slide up. A house that withstands the storm is built on hearing the words of Jesus and learning to live them. A house that withstands the storm not only hears the words of Jesus, but they're in the process of learning how to live them. You know, the, the Christian faith, you, you can put it this way, the Christian faith is built on the words long-term. What is success according to the Christian faith? This is success in the Christian faith, faithfulness. If you want to say, what does it look like to be successful as a Christian, just put the word faithful there. You are called to look long-term 
discipleship. When you get married, guess what? Your marriage is supposed to be long-term. You get kids, guess what? You're a long-term parenting. Amen? Everything about the Christian faith can be found in faithfulness, and it comes back to being long-term. Eugene Peterson said this, Christianity is obedience, long obedience in the same direction. You think about it that way. Long obedience in the same direction. But these things happen because you are in this process of consistently and continually hearing the words of Jesus and learning how to put them into practice. It's important. Now, look, here's what I know. We know what Jesus did. Well, we died on the cross, amen. And he rose from the dead, amen. We get a whole holiday out of that thing. But it is the most important thing ever. We know the things that Jesus did. He walked on the water. We know he fed, on a couple of occasions, thousands of people with just some loaves and some fish. You know, you know what we do, by the way? When we are in a, a crunch financially, we go to the word and say, Lord, you provided that way. I need provision in my life. And we believe, amen? Nothing wrong with that. We see the things that Jesus did. Well, he raised a lame man to walk, and, and they went walking and leaping, you know, and, and amazing things happened. But we know that Jesus healed the eyes of the blind. He even raised Lazarus from the dead. And there are times that we know that we need miracles in our life like that, and we go to the scriptures and we stand in it and we believe, Amen. Nothing wrong with that. We know even after Jesus ascended that, that he is the mediator. He intercedes for us. This wonderful work that he does for us. But here's the thing. We can know the things that he did and entirely forget the things that he said. And there's the rub. He did a lot that we stand in and in turn believe in, but... But we often can forget what he said. What he said is that important to the things that he did. So, again, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is wise. And there'll be a foundation which you build your life on that when the storms of life come, you will not be moved. Amen. But see, that's the rub. Because the things that Jesus said may not always be easy. The things that he calls you to may, may kind of shake you out of your comfort zone a little bit. The words that he said you must build your life on are things you must pay attention to and then learn how to apply. Now, here's the thing. So some of you, some of you are very faithful in coming to church on a Sunday morning. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Some of you even go another step, and you come Wednesdays too, my goodness. That, mean, that means if you do that twice a week, what, my sermons are what, 35 minutes or so? 
You hear me teach from the Bible about an hour and 10 minutes a week. I'm going to tell you something. The subjects I get to cover two times a week for an entire year is only a small scope of what's going on in here. You hearing the words of Jesus should never be limited to you coming to church. I encourage you to be people of the word. Amen. You know, there's some important stuff in here that I never touch on. I don't get to it. I don't have so much time. But you be a person because you understand the importance of the words of Jesus. And then certainly the testimony of the revelation of Scripture afterwards in the writing of Paul and Peter and John and so forth. That you know that this is a life source for foundation for living a life and building a life that when the storm comes, your house won't get knocked over. You want to withstand the storm? Hear the words of Jesus. And then not just hear them, but learn how to put them into practice. Now, you can apply this in a, in a very general way, by the way. So again, the, the, the scriptures that we have. But Matthew chapter 7 and what we just read there is very specifically on the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. It's the longest continual teaching that was recorded in the Bible of Jesus. And it's been called sort of the, I've heard it called sort of like the constitution of the kingdom of God. And he lays a foundation that covers a lot of aspects of life that, look, if you really are somebody who says you're following me, in other words, you're committing to this long-term discipleship, you're committed to building a life on who I am and what I'm doing and, and certainly what I'm saying, then you have to learn to pay attention to it. Because, again, if you really listen to what he's saying, you're going to go, you know what? That right there, that's hard. You know what? That right there, that is not the way I've been doing this. Huh. You know, this specific thing that he addresses right here, that actually bugs me a little bit. I'm going to tell you something. If you read the things that Jesus taught and it never does any of that to you, I have some questions. Because his ways are higher. His ways are different. He's calling us out of something. You're not going to be called out of something if you're never challenged. Now, I've shared this with you before. There was a time period of my life where uh, and just several years ago, where I was just challenged to read Matthew chapter 5 through 7 every day. And I didn't do it exactly every day, but for like a year and a half, 96% of the days, I read Matthew chapter 5 through 7. I actually learned ex exactly how long it took me to do it. And it was to the point that I, I started just changing up translations that I was doing because my mind, I would just start almost going ahead of what I was reading because I knew it. So I just read some different translations, kind of changed it up for me a little bit. So the wording wasn't... Uh, that precise as I was reading it. And it really, now at this point, I've been pastoring and preaching for a long time, and it so challenged me to my core. It changed my perspective in the way I thought about a lot of stuff, even though I've been preaching for a long time. 
I still today am challenged by the word. That will never stop. There are still things in there that I look at and go, that's hard. But you know what? That's okay. The words of Jesus are intended to build a life that we were not building without him. You need them. So I would encourage you, if you don't spend much time in the Sermon on the Mount, to do so. Starts with what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And it goes all the way, and it starts getting into uh, different things about, uh, talks about lust. Talks about anger. Talks about really what it means to love your neighbor. It talks about how you love your enemies. I mean, it deals with all sorts of stuff. But the challenge is, if you want to live a long-term life with Jesus, then you have to pay attention to what he's saying, not just try to grab onto the things that he did. Amen. So, so I'm going to give you just, it's just really simple, but let me just put it up anyways. That Christian, that second slide, if you would, please. It takes hearing, it takes obedience, and certainly it takes help from the Holy Spirit. It takes hearing, it takes obedience, and it takes help from the Holy Spirit. And thank goodness he offers help. Again, it takes hearing that you are a person that's into the word and paying attention to what Jesus said. It takes obedience. Listen, this is something we say here so much, but I need you to capture it. Obedience only comes when you believe his way is the best way. Because it will challenge the way that you're doing things. So, so when Jesus said, look, look, yeah, yeah, I understand that it has been said that you can hate your enemy, but I tell you to love your enemies and actually pray, actively seek the good for those who persecute you. And there I'm challenged. Because I want my enemies to get what they deserve, at least what I think they deserve. I, want, I don't want to pray for their good. I want to pray that God smashes them into a grease spot. Amen? Because I want revenge. I mean, I'm talking about. But it's a challenge to start to view those I'm in conflict in a different way. There's, there's the rub. In that instance, do I believe that his way is the best way? And now you start thinking about this way. Now, wait a second, Lord. If I really love my enemy, love always has action. Ah, now I got to start treating them right. Really? I got to start actually maybe being kind. What if they keep being mean to me and what if they're still a jerk to me? Do you believe his way is the best way? And every time you read through something that Jesus says, you commit that is the best way, whether or not I understand, whether I feel like it works out for me in the moment. I believe that this is the best way because this is the way of Jesus is the way of the kingdom of God, of which I say I'm a citizen of, so I'm, I guess I got to learn the rules and the regulations of the kingdom. And what we were saying Wednesday night a little bit is that that means you realize when you get saved, 
you give all of your rights over to Jesus, then he gives you back the way you should live. Well, Lord, I have a right to be angry at that person. I have a right to treat them wrong. Did you see what they did to me? And he says, give me your rights. Give them to me. Now, now I, I got your rights. What you think is right. Now this is the way you need to act. Well, why would I act that way? Are you following me or not? And he, and he asks you a question. Do you really believe that this is the way of true life? Do you believe this is the way of abundant life? Do you believe this is the way that leads to eternal life? Do you believe that? Yeah, okay. I've got to learn to obey. Not just hear, but obey. How many of you have kids? You know they heard, but the obeying part kind of gets a little sketchy. Anybody? Don't be like them. Now, I grew up, if, you, if you've been around me, you notice I wear hearing aids. I didn't always hear. Sometimes I heard but pretended I didn't. And I had this thing, oh, I didn't hear you. Such a lie. Anyways, um, when you have heard, you've got to learn to obey. In other words, hear the words of Jesus, but turn it into living. Apply it. Because, listen, you can hear a lot and if you never apply, then the foundation of your house will be faulty. And there's a chance if a strong storm comes, the house gets knocked over, and you're like, why did, why did we end up here? Why did we end up here? You, you can be a master at quoting the Bible, but are you applying what you know to your life? Got to learn how to obey. But when obedience is hard, he's not left you alone. Jesus said, I tell you what, something good's going to happen. I'm going to leave. But when I leave, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the counselor. I'm going to send you one who's going to help you. When it's hard, he's with you. So, so when it comes to my enemy, if I, I just want to repay, and, and I know I'm not supposed to do that, I'm supposed to turn around and do 